Welcome to the Mayor Minutes podcast. I'm Joanna Mouton, Mayor of Wyzetta, Minnesota, and your host. Tune in each month as we get to the heart and soul of the city and the community as a whole. In this episode, I'm joined by Aurora Yeager, Administrative Services Director, and Emily Gellner, Community Development Director for the City of Wyzetta. Welcome to you both, ladies. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. So last month, when International Women's Day took place on Monday, March 8th, I felt inspired and driven to celebrate and capture on this platform in our own special way. When I think about the city of Wayzata as an organization, we have so many women in leadership positions, planning commission, council, um, more than ever before. Outside of that, we have so many successful and inspiring women employed by the city. I couldn't possibly mention them all on this short podcast, um, and that really says something and something that I'm very proud of as the mayor. So as most of you probably have heard, you know, I really became inspired to do a podcast about International Women's Day and really celebrating not just the two of you, but all women um, because of my own story, uh, being the first female firefighter uh, with the city of Wyzetta, um, being on the council and then becoming the city's first woman mayor. And I received a lot of feedback uh, from men and women, but what really touched me was how my new role uh, was seen as inspiring to the people in my life and specifically their daughters. And so I wanted to hear a little bit um, from both of you uh, about your backgrounds and what brought you both uh, to Wyzetta and the roles that you're in. So Aurora, I'll, I'll start off with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this great town? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I'm actually a non-native Minnesotan. So I, I grew up in Kansas and that's where I, I got my education and my family still lives there. And I've really had a passion for public service my entire life. I got my bachelor's in social work and public policy. And then when I was looking for what I wanted to make my career, um, I found the field of public administration and city management. And I really felt like that was that perfect blend of public service and being able to make a tangible difference, which is so often um, at the local level. So after I got my master's, I worked for the city manager of Eden Prairie. And then um, after some time there, I became the assistant city administrator for a small town um, west of the metro called Howard Lake. So I kind of had a taste for a larger organization and some of the cool things that big metro cities get to do. But I really felt the pull to serve in a leadership capacity and to serve a small city. Um, you get to know the organization so well, you know the community so well. And so I really loved that about my time in Howard Lake. But when I was ready for, you know, another challenge and ready to take the next step, I was really looking for that blend of small town connection, a new challenge um, that still retained that public service component. So when the opportunity came up in Wyzetta, it was really kind of the perfect blend of those of those two. Like Wyzetta has such a place to it. It has such a sense of community. Um, so that's what really attracted me um, to this role. That's fantastic. And we're really lucky to have you. Uh, Emily, how about you? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Wysetta? Absolutely. So I grew up in Zambroda, Minnesota, which is about 2000 people. 
And when I was growing up, I definitely wanted to be like my mom. She was a administrator of the senior living facility for like my whole childhood. And she was a really hard worker and a, and a big leader. And so I just, I totally had her as my role model. But then I also wanted to be a Broadway star. That was super important to me at the time. I, love it. I wanted to be a college professor and I wanted to be a community activist. So I went to college in Duluth and I studied anthropology and political science as the two things, uh, topics that I found most fascinating. Had no idea what I was gonna do with that quite yet. And then I took an uh, urban planning class and that sparked a lot of interest for me. I spent my junior year of college in Sweden. And during that time, I got some more clarity on what I wanted to do next. And my clarity was that I wanted to be a city planner. I'm a planner in my like free time. I love planning and it just, it really fit for me. When I returned to Duluth for my senior year, then I contacted the city of Duluth and I asked if I could do an internship. And they said, sure, we'll give you like $50 a month to work as many hours as you'd like to learn if you like city planning. And so I did that. And not many months into that, I decided I for sure love city government. I for sure love planning. I know in the back of my mind now that my goal is to be a city planning director. I want to lead a planning team. And I know from all the research I've done that it's going to take me 10 years to get to that goal. So that was 2010 when I made that goal. So then I went down to the Twin Cities. I did my master's in planning at the U of M. I did another barely paid internship for the city of Minneapolis. This was right after the recession. And so that was the only way to really get the experience. I did a paid internship with St. Louis Park. And then I worked as the planner for the city of Golden Valley. So I very much like city work. And it's really fun to see how different cities function. And I really liked all of those cities. And as I hit that nine-year mark from the time I made that goal, I was offered the position for the city of Wayzata as their community development director, which was a new title. Uh, the previous title was planning and building director. And I knew the, the people that were in that position prior, and I really looked up to them and knew they were great planners and knew it would be a great city to work for. And community development is meant to blend a lot of different planning topics together. And I'm so happy to be working in my role today. And we are equally as happy to have you with us. Now, something that I find super interesting and would love to talk more about is that both of you are in roles that are traditionally held um, or filled by men. So Aurora, um, many may not know, but you're actually the first woman in your role here in Wyzetta. Can you tell us a little bit about how that may have impacted your career, uh, filling a typically male-dominated role and some of the challenges that you may have faced? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that because it's not a new feeling for me. Um, it's not the first time that I've held a role where I'm the first um, woman in my position. Um, when I worked for the city of Howard Lake, that was a brand new position that they created for the assistant city administrator. And one of my primary jobs was to serve as the public works director to oversee the public works department, which at the time was um, completely um, filled with men. So um, that was a challenge for me to one, come into a department that I didn't have a lot of experience in, um, but then to supervise them in a new capacity um, early on in my career as a woman, that that felt very intimidating to me. And it was a really big challenge to, um, I think, build those relationships and prove myself. And that's something that has carried through um, to this job as well. I, um, I think that there's quite a bit 
um, put on women who are the first one in their position to do something to prove yourself. I have to go, I feel the need to go above and beyond to show um, that I'm competent, that I'm really confident in what I'm doing and that, um, you know, I, I deserve a seat at the table. And I think that that's just a different experience that I have um, as a professional woman that um, some men don't experience. They don't feel to the same degree the need to justify your place. Um, so it, I think it's made me put in a lot of extra hours. It's made me put in a lot of extra um, time and think through situations to feel like I'm, I can justify who I am. But at the same time, I think that it, it's put a challenge on me to be the best person that I can be every single day that I come to work. So it, there's good and bad that goes along with that. Absolutely. How about you, Emily? Uh, what kind of challenges have you faced based on the role that you hold? Well, I've faced some similar challenges to Aurora, and I, I would say that I faced a lot of challenges in my planning role with uh, the last city that I worked for and just the fact that I was an entry-level planner. And so I really had to, to prove myself and earn a lot of people's trust. And that was just kind of the culture that I was working in. And um, it was interesting that I felt like I experienced more pressure from actually the uh, female executives at the city than I did from like, actually the men. And, um, you know, for example, on my first day, I showed up on the job and I'm dressed in my business professional wear and the senior, you know, finance professional, like basically the top female worker at the city had a one-on-one -on -one with me. And she shared that uh, I really didn't need to dress that nice. And it's just those kind of things where, you know, you just have to just go ahead and accept that like that kind of hurt, but I'm going to, I'm going to press onward and it's going to be okay. And you know what, I'm just going to keep dressing the way I like dressing and it's okay. So there was other, you know, things that would come up and I don't blame that one organization necessarily. I think it's just hard when you're um, starting out and you're younger because it also, I think that it, that plays into it as well as just being um, trying to earn everyone's trust that you are someone that they can trust and with advice and you can lead. And, and I would say now in my role um, in YZ, this is very similar to, I think, all planning jobs is that um, while the planning industry has come a long way and there are a lot of females in, in planning roles, the real estate industry is still very male dominated. And that's a lot of the professionals I work with are in real estate. And uh, that type of work can be very, um, like a lot of typical male traits that you might like see, like very assertive behavior, even aggressive behavior. And uh, luckily I am kind of an assertive person. So I have some male traits that kind of help me have that bit of an edge, um, but I'm a new mother. So I have this really nurturing emotional side to me, especially as of late. And uh, so that's been fun to navigate. <laughs> Yeah, we we end up wearing a lot of different hats. You, you brought something up that was really interesting, and I'll share a, a quick story. You know, one of my last employers, uh, the CEO, came to me, and I was in a leadership role, and and uh, it was a company that had started. It was a startup, and we started really small when I joined them. I think there were maybe fifteen or sixteen of us. And by before I left, we were somewhere uh, in the 200s, right? 250 people. And the CEO came to me and he said, Joanna, don't you think it's really uh, great, you know, how many women we've hired and 
Um, and this was in the tech industry. And I said, well, it is, you're right. Um, and he said, well, do you see any areas of improvement? I said, well, I do. Uh, I said, most of the women you're referencing are in traditionally uh, female roles, right? They're in accounting and they're in HR and, but you don't have a woman heading up uh, the uh, development team and what are more traditionally male roles. And he was really taken aback. Um, he thought he was doing just all of this amazing diverse hiring um, and being very inclusive um, until it was pointed out that it really wasn't. <laughs> and so um, I still think there are a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of room to go, right? Um, we're not there yet. Um, and I, so I can certainly empathize with uh, what you were going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can also relate to that mayor and just some of my experiences in my entry-level planning job was that I felt like um, the engineers, for example, would ask me to print things out for them. They would ask me to do like administrative tasks. And I think it just had to do with the demographic that I fit in was traditional for doing those types of tasks, even though it was super obvious to everyone that that's not what my role was. And so I just tried to move past it and tried to, I, I guess I just tried to go with the flow a little bit. I suppose some people are more like they want to confront it. I decided I would just keep uh, showing how talented I was in my planning role so that those kinds of requests would just stop. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's yeah, really, and I think, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say that I think along with, um, you know, having women working in roles that have been traditionally held by men, along with that goes leadership positions specifically. I mean, I think you'll notice in organizations of all types that, you know, maybe there's a really good gender balance or we're starting to see that some of those entry level positions are being filled by more women than ever. But as you look up the organization and go through um, leadership positions, um, the percentage of women that hold leadership positions is still really low. Like even in my field in city management, only 19% of city managers or, you know, the chief administrative officer um, is a woman. And so that's just a really big disparity between the number of women that are in the field um, and are moving up into that, you know, top leadership position. Absolutely. Well, I think also, it, which kind of leads me to this next part um, of today's podcast. I was on a road trip recently, and I think I, I mentioned this to both of you when we were planning this out. And uh, I knew I was going to have a lot of time on my hands and I wanted to listen to some new things, right? I'm in my new role, in a leadership role, and I wanted to hear from experts. Yeah, And I ran across... Um, a podcast by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. And she's an educator uh, and a researcher on all things leadership. And the very first podcast um, that I listened to was her interviewing Abby Wambach, who has written the book Wolfpack. And this podcast literally moved my soul. Um, I was in the car gripping the steering wheel, my eyes were filling up with tears because they talked a lot about the things that I knew I had felt uh, throughout my career, through my life, um, both in school and uh, professionally.
but I was never able to put the words to, you know, how do you make that shift? And Abby Wambach, I'm just going to read her bio a little bit um, for people who are listening who may not know who she is. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, FIFA World Cup champion, uh, the highest all-time international goal scorer for male and female soccer players. She's an activist for equality and inclusion um, and a best-selling author. Um, and so when we were talking about planning out this podcast, and I heard um, about, you know, the the book, and I rushed home, and I ordered it, and I've read it four times in probably the last month. Uh, it really, like I said, it just moved me. And it was something that I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, these eight rules that, you know, she mentions um, to help women succeed professionally and personally. And truly a must read book for, I think, all young women. Um, and even maybe um, someone like myself, who's been in the workforce for some time. But sometimes we're still questioning, you know, am I in the right role? Am I doing the right things? You know, am I asking the right questions? And so they have these eight rules. We're not going to get through them all today, but um, I would love to go through some of them and get um, your your thoughts on some of these rules. So if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. How does that sound? Let's do it. All that right, great. fabulous. Abby is awesome, and so is her wife Glennon. So I'm excited yes. for this. Oh my gosh, it it was so exciting. So I already have goosebumps talking about it. All right, so she talks about new rules for leadership, and I have the book here, so you're going to hear me flipping through the pages because I have all kind of post-it notes and stars and underline, <laughs> and I want to make sure we get to them. So we talk about the new rules for leadership and she challenges the old constructs, right? Of perhaps how we were raised and the rules we were taught to follow. So in chapter one, Abby talks a lot about Little Red Riding Hood and the mentality associated with that. And so the old rules stay on the path. The new rule, create your own path. The idea that we are taught to keep her head down stay on the path and get the job done. She then goes on to say that instead of being Little Red Riding Hood, be the wolf. So I wanna then um, flip to this other page that really just spoke to me. And I think we should all hold dear. There is a wolf inside of every woman. Her wolf is who she was made to be before the world told her who to be. Her wolf is her talent, her power, her dreams, her voice, her curiosity, her courage, her dignity, her choices, her truest identity. And so you you work to find that place, right, as the wolf within the wolf pack. Can you two reflect on your lives and career so far? When did you follow the path and when did you venture off that path and become the wolf? Well, I'll, I can start. I, this is Emily. My, my mom, I mentioned her as a role model to me. Um, she definitely always instilled a lot of confidence in me. And she, uh, I asked her recently, like, how would you describe me as a child? And she said, I would describe you as very determined, Emily. You just, once you decided that you were passionate about something, you really dedicated yourself to that thing. 
and you just you stayed you stayed the course on whatever that thing was and when you faced some adversity with it uh, you somehow maybe got knocked down but you just had this like fire inside to just keep going with whatever that thing was um like I was really into playing saxophone for like seven, eight years and was just madly in love with it and very determined. But that's more of a hobby. I would say that um, when I think about how I progressed in my career, uh, I mentioned all of the unpaid internships. I definitely had to think outside the box a little bit. I knew that opportunities were not going to be just handed to me. If I wanted to be a city planning director at a young age, I had to do my research and go find those opportunities and ask to do that work even for free just to get myself uh, a network and I've been really passionate about networking ever since I started in college and it's really really helped me and so that's where I think I've used my wolf energy to uh, build connections with people that I really want to be associated with and I want to share in their experience and so I've kind of like found my way into those those circles and those conversations and kind of just basically had enough confidence to just find my way through. (laughs) This is Aurora. And I'd say for me, um, the best example I can think of, of staying on the path versus like forging my own, my own way of how I want to be. I can think about um, starting out in my career, knowing I wanted to be a city manager, but feeling like all of that was so many years away from myself um, because I was too scared to step up into leadership roles too quickly for fear of making a mistake or, you know, feeling like I, you know, would, you know, just be a failure. And the more that I talked to other women in the profession, um, some other female city managers, Um, in the metro area, I just really had more of this feeling of like, why am I telling myself that my career path has to be work up in in small ways over decades to get to where I want to be when I feel like I want to be a leader now, I want to start contributing now. Um, So I stopped feeling like I had a set career path and really started asking myself, why not me? Like, why should I not apply for these jobs that are a bigger step up? because I, you know, feel like I can do that. So that's really what led me to jump to an assistant city administrator position so quickly was because I felt like, you know, it is intimidating, it is a challenge. But like, if that's what I want, like, of course, I can do that. Like, that would be the next exciting um, thing in my career. So that I really felt like I was forging my own path to find that. That's fantastic. And you used a word that is uh, failure, right? And a great segue for the next point that we have, which is uh, one of the chapters, make failure your fuel. And the old rule, failure means you're out of the game. The new rule, failure means you're finally in the game. And, you know, further to that, she talks, Abby Wambach talks a lot about, you know, um, what does it mean um, to experience failure and how do we deal with it? And she writes, perfection is not a prerequisite of leadership. Start using failure as our fuel. Failure is not something to be ashamed of, nor is it proof of unworthiness. Failure is something to be empowered by. When we live afraid to fail, we don't take risks. 
We don't bring our entire selves to the table. So we end up failing before we even begin. And I think that that's so true. Um, you know, failure for me was never an option. And it, I avoided taking some risk because of it. And when I finally let that go, I finally did the things that really I felt empowered by. I felt um, I succeeded. And even reflecting afterwards, even if I wasn't as successful, right, and I had quote unquote failed, I learned from it, right, how to be a better person, better professionally. And so when I read that um, to both of you, does that resonate? Um, has there been uh, some times in your life, in your career, where you've made that failure your fuel? That passage like resonated with me so much. And I think it resonates because it's something I'm still working through. So I, Mayor, like you, am such a perfectionist that it really feels like failure is not an option. And my husband has told me so many times, like, no one would be as hard on you as you are on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you need to give yourself grace, like, mm -hmm. even for the little things you know? Um, so that's definitely something that I'd say I'm still um, working through. And some of the things that I've noticed where I consider some of my biggest failures are the times that I haven't spoken up. You know, that time you're in a meeting and a thought comes to you, or even in a more serious situation when you feel like something isn't going right. And there were times that I was like, well, what if I'm wrong and I speak up and then I made this whole situation uncomfortable. Um, and over time I started to realize how much I was silencing myself for fear of being wrong. Yeah. That when I started to speak up more, I realized, you know, I don't think that everything I have to say is the most important thing in this room, but I think it's a perspective to offer and it's worth hearing that I feel like it's made me better at my job. And I think it makes the organizations I work for better when I'm not silencing myself for fear that I will make a mistake or maybe say the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. I feel like when I think about the things that I really wish I could change, like mistakes I've made, I do lead back to this idea that my gut reaction was there to do it differently. And then I like went against my gut and uh, I kind of like got in my own head about it and like overthought the matter. And my gut reaction actually would have been correct. I find that I'm like a pretty instinctual gut reaction person. And that if I'm listening close enough, that those answers are right. So um, I also, though, I have to definitely fight the self-limiting beliefs, which is kind of this buzzword to just describe like the ways that a lot of women like just like decide uh, like what we're capable of and we talk ourselves into uh, deciding that we you know like you said Aurora like I'm not ready for that and you kind of talk yourself out of it I actually made a list when I start right before I like accepted this role that I'm in now of it's hilarious now of all these reasons why I'm not ready for the job and I intentionally saved it in my phone because I knew I was not being logical. I knew I was being super negative on myself and being really emotional. And I saved it and I read it sometimes again. And I laugh at the things that I told myself that I was not ready to do. I was so ready. It was ridiculous. 
And then I actually mentored a friend of mine, a planner who was looking at taking a job that felt way out of her league. And I, and she, she knows me and she knows the job I'm in. So I read her the list and we just had the best laugh about the things we tell ourselves. Well, I think those things are so, I mean, they resonate in so many different parts of our lives, right? Professionally, socially, at home uh, with our families. And, and we wear a lot of different hats. Uh, You know, we're, daughters and mothers and wives and partners um, were colleagues. And I just remember, you know, several decades ago now, (laughs) when my children were young, and I'm working, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking around me, and all I'm seeing is this perception of excellence. Um, Great mothers, great careers, great marriages, great family lives. And I felt like everything was crashing down around me and that I was the biggest failure. I couldn't do anything right. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until I was, I was literally told from outside parties when I just kind of broke down and couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) Like, you know, be yourself, right? Be willing to accept failure. Just keep doing, just don't give up. Right. And it was so important to hear and then just give myself that permission to, all right, I'm maybe not going to be the best mom today and dinner isn't going to be a three or four course meal <laughs> and we might have peanut butter sandwiches. Um, but accepting the fact that, you know, we have so much on our plates and accepting of ourselves, of our own shortcomings and and insecurities and saying, you know what, tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep trying and finding people that support you, that lift you up, that give you um, that drive to keep being a better person, um, no matter what it is that you do every day, uh, I think is really important, right? And it's another great message in the book about finding your pack, um, which we're not going to have time to get to today because we have some more things, but I hope that resonates with folks, right? That you don't have to be perfect at absolutely everything. And sometimes you have to put one thing on the back burner and it doesn't mean you failed. It just means you have to give more time for yourself or something else um, in those moments. All right. So um, the last role I wanted to talk about, Uh, So the last rule of leading with dominance, you're both leaders in for the city of Waisetta. The old rule, lead with dominance, create followers. The new rule, lead with humanity, cultivate leaders. As you lead your teams, what does leading with humanity mean to each of you? Well, I would say that we have been confronted with just how fragile our humanity is in the last year. So I've really noticed that with the pandemic and and all the struggles associated with that, combined with the fact that I have an 11 month old, so I've just went through pregnancy and having a small baby that um, I really have really leaned into my nurturing side of my leadership. And I definitely wasn't like that in the first several years of my career. I was very logic oriented and unemotional. I probably was more emotional than I actually, you know, would acknowledge, but 
I tried so hard to just stick to business kind of thing with people. And I was just so serious all the time. And I've just really found that um, I'm in touch more with, with our collective humanity by having a better sense of humor and uh, just being more nurturing in general and actually finding that bringing out those traditional female strengths in my leadership role is, is just helping me over and over and over again. And it's what I think I kind of like watch body language. And I noticed that like, that like helps people like really do that, like leaning in. Like, I feel like I'm connecting with people more now um, than even before because I'm more comfortable in my own skin too. And I'm just so grateful for like all the things that have gone well in the last year, uh, even though I have my days where I'm just, you know, we all get in that like kind of just pit of despair for a moment in the middle of the pandemic where we're just like, it feels like it's all spiraling out of control, but uh, ultimately, I feel like I'm able to get positive again, uh, because I do have a friendship connection with uh, the, the people that I'm leading. And I don't know, they're leaders, too. I guess we've really, we leaned into Strengths Finder recently. And that was really fun to do just to like, just talk about what we all um, enjoy about each other and working with each other and staying positive. And Amir, you mentioned something earlier about like, just energies and I've been thinking a lot about just like finding my pack is like people with just really good positive energy and just like keeping that going, you know, that's, that's what we got to do right now. <laughs> yeah. It's been many months of some uh, pretty negative energy. So wherever we can find that positive energy, that's amazing. How about you, Aurora? So I feel like leading with dominance is like the complete opposite of, of my personality. It feels so, impersonal and and harsh and I like to think that I like thrive off of building connections and um, you know just having that personal relationship with the people that you work with or in some cases supervise and so I think for me a lot of it has to do with and I and I really like how Abby talked about like giving credit to the person who passed you the ball like all the greatest leaders you know that I aspire you know, have watched and aspire to be like one day have all looked behind them and found ways to lift up the people after them, either with advice, with opportunities, with asking for their input when maybe they wouldn't have felt comfortable offering it otherwise. And so I feel like that's what I aspire to do because if I thought I could do everything or that I always had the best ideas in the room, then why would there be anyone else on this team? Like, I love the diversity of perspectives. And so I always try to, you know, know the people I work with enough personally to relate to them and care for them both personally and professionally, but then also find ways to, you know, they're doing the same thing every day that I am. They're coming to work. They want to grow their careers. They want to contribute. So how do I make them the best at that possible? How do I get their perspective on this? Um, encourage them for an opportunity that they might find interesting. Um, so I feel like it's all about building them up because then they build me up. So I really feel like that I can't be good at my job if the people that work for me and with me don't enjoy the work they do every day. They don't feel um, valued or, you know, ready to take on a new challenge. And so I feel like leading with humanity is knowing what they hope to achieve, um, what they want to be challenged by and how, what ways they want to be the leader in this thing, whatever it is that they're working on. 
um, because that makes me better at my job and it makes them better at their job. So uh, what is the one piece of advice you would give young women um, or maybe even little girls as they forge their own path and find their own path? For me, I think I would say that the biggest piece of advice would be to be ambitious and do not undervalue your own contributions. So many times I see um, women especially working incredibly, incredibly hard. And then when you ask them, you know, how they're doing or if they feel like they're successful and they'll probably tell you all the things that they're failing at before they tell you all the things that they're really good at. And I think that that makes us, Mm -hmm. you know, less likely to apply for promotions or seek new opportunities or negotiate our pay or um, whatever that next step is, because we're too busy discrediting our own experience and our expertise. So I feel like, you know, be ambitious and own your experience that, you know, you you're doing amazing work. And so don't discredit that. Mm-hmm. That is such good advice. I, oh, I second that completely. And yeah, Aurora, you seem like you, I'm sure, coach people, um, you know, other colleagues, because like we need our coaches, we need our positive people in our lives to help us when we're having these negative moments or we're just not able to see clearly just how great we are. Uh, so, you know, seek out mentors and and ask them, you know, I mean, I, I definitely... I ask other female community development directors when I'm struggling with some things, I know them on a friendship basis. So it's not like a purely business relationship and it just helps me so much just feeling that solidarity from other, other women that I look up to. And there's just this calm, uh, there's just this like calm sense of like, it'll be okay (laughs) that I get from my mentors that helps me keep going and to see what I can't see uh, for myself. So that's been super valuable to me. And that it's not even just the coaches, it's also just the people in your life that just truly love you. Like that's the wolf pack thing again, is finding those people that like light you up and keep you going. Cause that's really usually what we need (laughs) at the end of the day. Absolutely. And you know, so one, the call to the wolf, wolf pack, right? Claim your power, bring along your full humanity, clear the way for others to do the same. Because what our families, our companies and the world needs is nothing more and nothing less than exactly who we are. And I think that's so true. And when we do that, and we give other people the space to do that as well, I think the world would be certainly in a much better place. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us today to reflect on what it means to be in a leadership role um, as a woman for the city of Boisetta. We are so lucky to have you both and so many other amazing women who are paving the way at City Hall for future generations. And I am honored and blessed to be in that group alongside you. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Mayor Minutes podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening app so you don't miss an episode. You can listen to the latest episode and find links to available streaming platforms at wyzetta.org slash mayor minutes. I'll see you around town.